Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, I'm Barry Guy. The Black Caps have suffered their first loss at the Cricket World Cup, but they're still well-placed to make it into the semi-finals. And talking of semi-finals, we're down to the last four in Super Rugby. And once again, two New Zealand sides will clash, while the Jaguars look to make history. The Black Caps remain in the top four of the World Cup standings after a six-wicket loss to Pakistan in their latest game in Birmingham. They have two games left against the already qualified Australians and then hosts England, who have fallen into that sort of danger territory after three losses. I'm joined by our cricket reporter, Clay Wilson, and also a pleasure to have White Ferns opening batter, Susie Bates. Hello to you both. Hello, Barry. Hi, Barry. Hi, Susie. Um, Susie, just the conditions uh, for the first uh, loss for the New Zealanders in Birmingham, they, it appears they sort of underread the uh, the wicket a little bit and perhaps needed another spinner. Just, just tell us about the conditions that you get in, in England and, and um, you know, what it's like to bat on it. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, it's, it's nice to hear Gary Stead sort of admit that they may have got that slightly wrong, but I think... That's sometimes the thing with England is um, you sort of, you know, start out thinking they're seamer-friendly wickets and it's going to swing a lot. But when they have a lot of cricket over there on the England pitches, they can become quite low and slow and take a bit of turn. So I think as the tournament goes deeper, um, the wickets are going to be a bit more friendly to spin in, in certain areas as well, as well. Like all around England, the pitches are different. So, yeah, they seem to have um, admitted that they may have got that wrong. And also, there was all this talk about, you know, 500 runs and the likes. I did hear somewhere that I thought that the ICC have taken over control of preparation for the wickets and they're not pre- being prepared just for England, obviously. Yeah, I think it's a difference of tournament play versus series where you you know, you know might travel to five different venues and play on fresh wickets, whereas in a tournament, not every wicket's fresh and, and therefore they're not just flat wickets that are better friendly. And I think England have potentially found that out a little bit and, and when the wicket's a bit worn, um, it, it's um, pretty impossible to score that 350 that people have been talking about so it'll be interesting when we get into semi-final play if, if they're playing on fresh wickets or used wickets uh, Even with the lower scoring game it uh, can still be an exciting game Clay, um, the New Zealanders have played the same side pretty much and you know it was obvious perhaps that something needed to be adjusted here yeah, well, as Susie pointed out, it's nice to see Gary Stead admit that they've perhaps got that one wrong and not played Ish Sodi. And there's been a lot of people calling for Ish Sodi to play and also Tim Southey fit and we've got Henry Nichols waiting in the wings as well um, just to try and give them game time if we do need to need, need to use them um, in these last couple of games or in a potential semi-final or final. So I think now, especially with some of the performances we saw in this game, obviously Colin Munro has failed again. Um, we may see a change there and I would suspect they want to give Tim Southey, someone like him, some game time and maybe Ish Sodi as well, depending on the 
on the wicket because, uh, as Susie pointed out, as the tournament goes on, the wickets get a bit lower and slower and take some turn. So those are sorts of players you want to have a bit of game time under their belt. So perhaps maybe in these last couple of games, although they're big games against Australia and England, a semi-final spot pretty much wrapped up, we might see one or two changes to the side. Susie, the openers uh, have perhaps um, underperformed a little in their last few matches as as an opener yourself. Um, You're going to tell us how difficult that is, but do we need to make a change there perhaps for Australia and England? What's probably hard now is I always feel like when you're playing in a cricket side and you make changes when you're winning, it doesn't seem so reactionary. But now potentially they're in a position after losing where they want to make some changes. Um, But it's just really hard. You know what the likes of Martin Gupta and Munro can do when they're in form. And so in a World Cup, you sort of are waiting for that to happen. But how long do you give them? And um, there's someone like Martin Gupta, I think, you know, in, in a semi-final game, he could be a match winner. Perhaps Munro, um, I thought Henry Nichols was kind of ahead of him before the World Cup started, so perhaps it is an opportunity to get um, Nichols into the side. But it is a tough one. You you sort of go into the tournament with what you think is your best eleven, and look, batting is tough. You go in and out of form, um, and you just want one of those guys to get going, and they'll be good for the rest of the tournament. I think what we've seen with those two is that Guptill has got form and he's got a record against the good teams over a long period of time. With Colin Munro, we've seen him do it at times against some of the perhaps lower-ranked sides, but when he comes up against a really quality bowling attack and Australia and England waiting in the wings and then another quality opponent in a likely semi-final, um, he just hasn't obviously hit his stride and he's going to go into those games without form. doesn't seem likely that he's going to perform on his day. He perhaps can take apart any attack, but there's just no evidence there at this stage for the selectors. Then perhaps, uh, as Susie said, Henry Nichols was ahead of Colin Munro in a lot of people's eyes coming into the tournament. Now that he's fit and, and had obviously had a lot of net time under his belt, perhaps now is the time to, to bring him in and give him a crack. And they still keep that left-hand, right-hand combination at the top of the order. And Tom Latham's not been scoring too many runs. Can they afford to take a punt on Tom Blundell? You know, he's not played at this sort of, uh, in the heat of this sort of competition before. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening necessarily. Um, I think Tom Tom Latham is seen as the number one wicket wicket keeper, perhaps, and I think they will give him time. And they like the balance they have, especially with him being a left hander in that number five spot. But I guess we're playing Australia, and we saw what Tom Blundell did in that uh, warm up series we had in Brisbane. Um, scored a hundred and I think an eighty. So he does have runs on the board against um, most of that Australian attack. So I, I guess that wouldn't be a huge surprise. But I, I would be, I would be a little bit. Uh, it would be a little bit interesting to see um, Latham come out of that side because he has been in this team for a long time now, and they do have a lot of faith in him. Uh, talking to cricket reporter Clay Wilson and uh, White Ferns batter Susie Bates. Susie, you talked about. England and perhaps you know the wickets that they're playing on, but also they're obviously under pressure. Um, just your thoughts? I mean, three losses now, and they're going to have to work hard to make the last four. Yeah, it's um, interesting being over in England at the start of the summer and the start of the World Cup, and just recently coming back. Um, everyone was pretty positive about how the men's team were looking, but yeah, it doesn't take long for there to be a lot of pressure on them and. I think I watched a little bit of Owen Morgan's last press conference and that to me sort of showed that they are feeling the heat and um, to miss out on the semi-finals would just be probably uh, the worst thing that could happen for the tournament um, at being in England. But look, they're, they're such a good side and 
they've got a tough finish so it's going to be exciting to see how they cope with that pressure um who've they got they've got India and us left so there's a big few games but I still think Australia England New Zealand and India are the, are the top four teams at this stage but um obviously they're going to have to play some good cricket and talking of uh, mental toughness, Susie, of course, uh, Australia, who you come up against all the, all the time, I suppose it's no surprise that after what they've been through in the last year or two that they appear to be getting back to their best and could well defend their title. Yeah, I thought before the tournament even started they were going to be the most dangerous team. Um, just watching Warner and Steve Smith, they were going to be more determined than ever and before um, all the issues happened, they were pretty determined to score runs anyway. So they've got a bit between their teeth. And um, then the others, Finch now getting back in form, I think they, they look the most dangerous. And they just know how to win World Cup tournaments. Um, they've done it so many times and they don't rely on just one or two players. Everyone chips in and, yeah, they're looking really dangerous. Clay, we heard what Susie sort of picked her for. What, just remind us, what were your four that you picked for the at the beginning of the tournament, and obviously, what are you thinking now? Well, I had three uh, with uh, a bunch of teams fighting it out for the other spot. So uh, these four were in the mix for me. I definitely had India and England and and Australia and then us fighting it out with the likes of Pakistan and South Africa, um, perhaps the West Indies. But obviously uh, South Africa, the West Indies are gone now. And I tend to agree with Susie. I think the top four we've got now will be the top four we see. Although Pakistan seemed to have a a, a little bit of a shot here, but you really struggle to see India losing... um, um, two out of those four games they've got less, left. And England in the position, although they're under pressure, I expect they, they could perhaps lose one of these games, but um, I, it's, it's, it's difficult to see England not making it, given the, the quality they've got in that team. They've had a couple of obviously rough performances, but there's too much quality in that team for them not to perform. So, um, you know, India haven't had a loss yet, so perhaps England will be banking on the fact that um, the, their game against them is the time where they can inflict India with that loss and um, put themselves back in the mix here. But certainly they've put themselves under a bit of pressure, and you can see it under uh, Owen Morgan. And we've seen it not only in cricket, but also in rugby. Obviously the last Rugby World Cup in England, um, in uh, England, we saw that with the English rugby team. So um, it does happen when you've you know you've got a World Cup on home soil, and particularly with a country like England, where their teams are so well supported. So uh, very interesting how these last couple of rounds pan out. But I think the top four we have now will perhaps end up being the top four come semi final time. And Susie, playing uh, at home, of course, uh, can always be tough, and you know it's obviously been tough on the uh, the English team as well. Being a New Zealander, we tend to, you know, want to support our our top teams and even when they're under pressure, get behind them. But, um, yeah, you do notice um, some of the ex-English players and in particular Kevin Kevin Peterson um, not always helping the cause when the side is um, under a lot of pressure and and him getting stuck in with some comments about Owen Morgan being scared of the ball. So that's, in my opinion, not that helpful when you want to see your your national side do well. You want to sort of... I guess be out there um, showing as much support as you can. So there is a lot of pressure from all, um, I guess, directions, not just the media, but past players. And they do like to get stuck into each other over in England. Uh, the tabloids also get stuck into their uh, sports teams if they're not doing well. But but they have been uh, some nice comments about Kane Williamson, his leadership, and just what he's provided so far and the way he's you know picked up two tons and his 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 batting average is pretty good. He's he's impressive, isn't he? Yeah, he's very impressive. And 
he's just difficult to criticise. He just goes about his business, keeps his head down. He knows his jobs to score runs and he does it with no fuss and he, and he doesn't really enjoy all the accolades and things that go with it. So I think even when you're not a New Zealander, you're just impressed by you know the way he plays and you just want him to do well because he just looks like he's there to play cricket and he doesn't want much to do with anything else. I think the, the sign of someone who's got that class is he hasn't actually been, and you can see it when he's interviewed, he hasn't actually feel like he's been hitting the ball that well and perhaps some of the wickets have dictated that as well. But someone who can not be in perhaps 100% genuine touch and still score back-to-back hundreds at a World Cup and contribute in other games, um, it just shows really how, how good he is and why he's ranked as one of the top two or three batsmen in the world. Susie, uh, I know it's been difficult uh, staying up all night and watching the cricket, but uh, what about the rugby? That's a little bit earlier in the evening. Um, who are you backing Crusaders, uh, Hurricanes in the uh, Super Rugby semi-final on Saturday? Yeah, since I've been back, I've been able to watch a few of the knockout games and obviously disappointed the Highlanders didn't get through. But um, like Clay mentioned before, I'll definitely be backing the Hurricanes. Everyone wants to see the Crusaders lose, but they just look... Um, very good this season they um, look like they're going to be tough to beat especially at home but I am I guess I, my head says the Crusaders but I'd love to see the Hurricanes tip them over. Goodness uh, your uh, teammates from Canterbury are going to give you a bit of stick about that aren't they? <laughs> they, they already know that isn't it? Yeah. Like, Otago want um, anyone to win but Canterbury <laughs> Thanks Susie but um Someone who is certainly well-versed in uh, the Super Rugby playoffs, Joe Porter, our rugby reporter here. And, uh, Joe, I watched the Hurricanes just beat the Bulls last week in the mm. quarterfinal, and I didn't see a lot that encouraged me that they were going to beat the Crusaders this weekend. No, look, I think most of the country and most of the rugby pundits around the world probably agree with you. It's very hard to see the Crusaders not doing the three-peat from here on out. They've beaten the, uh, the, sorry, they've beaten the Hurricanes twice already this season. They seem to have the Hurricanes number, especially in Christchurch. Um, we all know that the games are won up front. And the All Blacks, sorry, the All Blacks pack, I might as well call it that, the Crusaders pack has seven All Blacks in, its, in those eight players. So and they've also got another couple in the backs and a few more on the bench. Look, I think... The Crusaders forwards are just far too strong for a, a Hurricanes pack that have tried hard this year and have done their best to win some games they may, may not, sh- um, sorry, shouldn't have won, but I think their type five is just a little bit light on the ground and the Crusaders will really roll through them in the forwards. That, of course, negates the influence of Bowden Barrett. He's not so good with backwards ball, back football. He's a, a dominant player with, you know, behind the All Blacks pack, a Rolls-Royce pack, but not so much behind a pack that's going backwards and doesn't have parity. Richie Moanga probably wins that battle there with a better directional play at first five, and I just see the Crusaders rolling over the Crus- uh, over the Hurricanes fairly easily, to be perfectly honest, this weekend. It is, a, it is a one-off game, a knockout game. That adds a little bit of an element to it. The Hurricanes have you know, some, some break, game-breakers in their team that could cause some damage, but I just think the Crusaders are far too much of a cohesive unit. They're an all-back team basically all the way throughout. They've played together for the last two years. I think there's only one player in this team that's different from the team that lined up in the semifinals against the Hurricanes last year. So the consistency among that group is just quite remarkable, and I think that consistency will lead them to a third straight Super Rugby title. And what are they now? The 29 games in a row unbeaten. Of course, they had had the draw against the Sharks, was it, at home a few weeks ago, but 29 games at home, that's the biggest thing I think about. I mean, obviously, a great team full of great players and All Blacks, but that home record is imposing, and the Hurricanes can talk, I guess, all they like about not not being a factor in them um, you know, going down there to ha- have a crack but 
that must be in the back of their mind somewhere. It can't not play a factor in this game. As long as all blacks don't get injured in this game, that, that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a key thing. Switching out the props. <laughs> what about uh, the Jaguars? I mean, the way they beat mm. the Chiefs last weekend, you'd have to think that they've got a good chance of making the final. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Jaguars have been arguably, alongside the Chiefs perhaps, the form team coming into the playoffs. They've won most of their last games. They've um, you know, played some very good rugby. They have had home advantage um, throughout the playoffs, which is, which is key over in Buenos Aires. They get the Brumbies all the way over there again. So, yeah, you'd have to say that the, the, the Jaguars are odds-on to win that game. They're certainly favourites at the TAB. And it looks like they should go on to win that game. And then, well, the big question, can they travel all the way over to New Zealand and usurp the Crusaders from their Christchurch throne? Probably unlikely. But, yes, I, I think the two home sides win fairly comfortably this weekend. Joe Porter uh, with his predictions on uh, Super Rugby. On to another sport now, the New Zealand rowing team, especially the women, has shown strong form in an Olympic qualifying year, taking six medals and four golds at the latest World Cup event in Poland. The women's pair, the women's double skulls, the lightweight double and the single sculler Emma Twig all won, while the men's pair took silver and the men's quad bronze. Men's single sculler Robbie Manson failed to reach the A final, but the men's eight, with Olympic champions Hamish Bond and Mahi Drysdale on board, finished fourth. New Zealand has concentrated on smaller boats in recent years, meaning the men's eight has fallen off the pace internationally. Drysdale is encouraged by the return of the New Zealand rowing eight, and he told sports editor Stephen Hewson a fourth-place finish in Poland shows they are on the right track. We were hoping that we would be right up with Germany. The flip side could have been that we were right out the back door. And I think what we've taken from this World Cup is we have the speed to match the best states in the world, uh, but you know this this regatta we we weren't able to put uh, four sort of 500s together. Um, you know, in, in every race we were the fastest crew over a thousand metres of the race, but where we were weak was 750 to to a thousand metres of the race. Uh, we lost you know far too much. So you know, there's some 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 big positives to take out of that. That you know we feel we're, we're right in the mix. And we're very competitive, but you know we we've got to put it together for for the full two k. If um, you know even we want to qualify, because uh, you know that's that's certainly not a a, a given at, at this stage. Um, we've got to be top five. You know we're fourth here. Um, there's a, a couple of good crews to come, so you know we're going to have to step it up uh, big time to to uh, you know make sure that that we're in that safe zone, I guess, of of uh, getting through and, and qualifying. You mentioned there you've learnt a lot, and what in particular? I mean, you obviously mentioned the areas there where you've gone well and where you dropped off. So, so how do you go about, I suppose, turning turning that around? What what becomes the focus in training to to try and improve that? More than anything, it's a technical um, thing. Like we've we've got all the the power that we need, and you know what we really learnt in the in the um, uh, the repechage is. Sometimes if, if you try to work it uh, like we did, um, you know, we, we were disappointed with the way we lost uh, ground in, in sort of a second 500. Um, so we really tried to attack it in the repechage and we actually went slower. So, you know, we, we do have to do it together and we do have to row technically well to, to make this boat go fast. And I guess, for you know, especially Hamish and myself, it's quite a different scenario to, to what the, the single or the or the pair is, where you know you work harder, you you go faster. Um, you know the eight is about working together and, and making sure that that you're all uh, on exactly the same page and and you're all working in unison and and that's what makes you fast, not not necessarily that physical effort. 
How have you found adjusting to that? Has it taken more than you might have anticipated? I, I think, you know, probably uh, what this weekend sort of showed me was, uh, you know, that, that there is a lot more innate rowing, um, you know, that, that you've got to get right. And it's kind of weird you go back to the eight and, uh, you know, it is, it's all new, it's all, um, you know, every race you're, you're learning, you know, you're doing the single two, but, you know, I've been, I've, I've seen every situation, um, you know, you you kind of, you've got that experience, whereas I feel like I've got no experience in, in the eight, and I know, you know, I had a few chats with Bondi this, this weekend, and sometimes we just kind of look at each other and, and just say, well, we, you know, we, we know nothing. What I guess what we thought was, with how you made a boat go fast, sometimes it, it's not. So, you know, we, we've got a lot of experimenting to do and, um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited with, with the potential that we have in this, this group. Mahi Drysdale talking to Stephen Hewson. The squad now moves to the last World Cup event in Rotterdam before the World Championships in Austria in August. Well, uh, thank you to rugby reporter Joe Porter, cricket reporter uh, Clay Wilson, and of course Susie Bates, a special appearance here today on Extra Time. That is Extra Time for this week. You can stay in touch uh, via Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.